Welcome to Troubleshooting Agile, a regular problem-solving session for Agile teams. Three, two, one, go. Welcome, Squirrel. Looking forward to discussing principle number five today. Build projects around motivated individuals, give them the environment and support they need, and trust them to get the job done. Absolutely. And I think we've said this is this is going to be, in some sense, a, a very boring, uh, obvious talk in some ways, because of course everyone understands this. Is that right? Well, uh, so you would think. Um, <laughs> you and I had this uh, conversation we always have before the podcast, and it took us much longer to think out exactly how to explain this, both because I think it's the easiest principle. If you kind of understand the principle, you wouldn't need the principle. And uh, it's also the hardest because it's difficult to explain to people who haven't already got the ideas in their heads. So if you read uh, Drive by Daniel Pink or People Wear by DeMarco and Lister, then this is just the most obvious thing ever. And if you're already thinking in terms of motivation for individuals being useful, directed opportunism being the best way to approach a problem so that people can apply their local knowledge, this you wouldn't even need this in a world where everybody knew it. Uh, and and we think among our listeners, then people will be in kind of one of two states, and uh, and for the for the lucky people, they've only ever worked in organizations where this was the case. They're in one like that now, and they read this and go, "Well, this is this is kind of silly." Um, so maybe they don't need anything else from the podcast. But keep listening; you might be able to help somebody else. <laughs> That's right, and uh, they, they should. They, while they should be uh, happy and uh, joyous, maybe they, they will appreciate what they have a bit more when we uh, compare the alternatives. Um, I think one of the things we talked about is that the, this dichotomy in the world really comes down to the simple thing of uh, theory X versus theory Y. And so that's the two groups I think that you're you're describing. So there's the group of in our audience who might already be in the theory Y world, and you're now going to explain the difference between the two. For maybe some of the rest of us who who aren't living in that theory Y world already, is that right? Well, that's right. And we uh, we were talking about uh, the the various places where this is described, and there was a a really nice article written by Niels Flagen, uh, why we cannot learn a damn thing from Semco or Toyota, and we'll link that in the show notes. Absolutely. And what in, in there, he really, he really lays it down to either you believe in theory X about people or theory Y about people. And before describing what those things are, he says, basically, this is sort of fundamental view. It's kind of your physics of how people and motivation work. And so you're, you're either in one camp or another, you're acting out of one camp or another. And if you're working in a place where people already believe one set of sort of laws of physics, then naturally they'll believe uh, uh, act quite differently than if they, they believe the other. So what's this this theory X and theory Y? And uh, this, really this kind of comes down into traditional theory of management um, and uh, really the more modern uh, way of looking at management. The traditional one would be theory X and the fundamental idea is that people dislike work and they are trying to avoid it. Whereas theory Y says actually um, People feel good about doing good work, and uh, they can enjoy it and be quite engaged in it. And it leads to completely different uh, behaviors. In in the theory X world, I think this is um, this is kind of often called Taylorist theory, 
then you you have the idea that the job of managers are to watch over everyone and make sure that they're working and manage people's time. And in theory, Wyland, it's really more about managing their engagement and energy. And uh, you, you talked about um, you mentioned the, the phrase directed opportunism. That seems that's that's going to come out of the the theory why world, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about about that. What's the, the the directed opportunism? Sure. Well, it may be easiest to see it by comparing uh, the theory X version. So uh, those of uh, our listeners who have ever been involved in a union or watched a strike happen uh, might remember that one of the things the tactics that a, a union will use is to work to rule. So. There's a, a rule book, and you just follow whatever the rule book says. And the, the people who are working and doing the tasks do things just according to what they're supposed to do, and don't ex exercise any directed opportunism. Don't exercise any initiative. And of course, that's a way to slow things down very quickly and make your factory or railway station or whatever it is you're striking against not work very well without actually having to leave the job and march up and down with a picket sign. And, and so that's a, the the way that theory X folks think about how the uh, their people would naturally work, and it's there's kind of an irony in that because they really can't be punished because they're just doing, you know, I'm just doing what the what the manual says. I'm I'm doing what I'm following all the steps, and uh, you really can't be fired for that. And it, it's sort of uh, I think it's telling that uh, we have this idea that we need to write everything down to tell people what to do, but if they actually do what's written down things just actually don't work. Everything grinds to a halt. So there, there's a way of it being explicit about how you would like people to uh, exercise this directed opportunism, which comes from the work of a guy named Bungay, B-U-N-G-A-Y, who wrote a book called Art of Action. We'll link to that as well. And the best way I know to summarize this whole book is just to tell the story of the, the Prussian military, believe it or not. This guy's a uh, consultant as well as a military historian. So he brings the two together in a very helpful way. And what he he tells the story of uh, Clausewitz fighting the French in 1870, and he's just defeated them at one battle, and he's because it's 1870 he doesn't have drones he doesn't have telephones he doesn't have kind of a picture of the battlefield. Not only does he not know where the French are now that they they've retreated, he also doesn't know where his own forces are, and it's three in the morning and he needs to tell them what to do in order to trap the French. And the end of the story is going to be that he's successful in doing that, and he manages to uh, depose the emperor of France and other good things come out of this. But at three in the morning in the woods, not knowing where anybody is, he needs to give orders. So he writes this beautiful, very short description of what he'd like people to do, which captures this idea of directed, i.e., uh, uh, giving people the the constraints and the intent that you have, plus opportunism. Please do something that's within these constraints that's successful. And he tells one army, "I want you to march generally north, but you're going to have to figure out where to go. And I don't know whether you want to lead with the infantry or the cavalry because I don't know what the ground is like." And he tells the other army, "I'm also not sure where you are, but I want you to march to the right flank, the right bank of this river." And uh, you, I want you to wind up on the west side of uh, uh, the, the French, wherever they might be. And your constraint is that you're not allowed to attack the French, because if you get into a battle with them, they may be able to engage you and then sneak away with the rest of their army. And your freedom is to do anything you need to do in order to move to the right and left, the east and west of the French, because I'll come up from the south 
the Belgians are to the north, so they they won't be able to go that way, and then we will have trapped them. And please write down at the bottom of these orders what you're going to do, hand it back to the uh, messenger who found you, and come back to me. And he handed these to two different people on horses and said, ride off and see if you can find my two armies and come back with the answer. So in that story, Bungay is, is telling us how the manager, in this case, the, the general Clausewitz, is capturing his intent, communicating that to his subordinates, giving them constraints, but also saying, please, within these constraints, exercise opportunism. And that's what I think the, the fundamental idea of this principle is. And, and, and this, uh, if we go back to, to relate to theory Y, one of the one of the insights of theory Y is that people have a lot of creativity and ingenuity and will use it and direct themselves towards targets that they understand and accept them. And mm -hmm. and and in in your story, that's really what Klaus is doing: is he's laying out the targets and leaving it up to the uh, ingenuity of, of the people that really has that that the trust element in there, uh, which is we, we're saying is what's intended by this principle. And if you believe that people only work to rule and that you only give them directions and they could just follow them, you would never write a set of orders like Klauswitz did. Uh, right, that's, that's right. If you need, if you, if you thought people were, were, were lazy and looking to shirk uh, and needed exact directions, yeah, absolutely. Um, if we lead it back to this principle then, you know, we, we have in mind that this is intended as a, a theory why that we're looking to have a team of where everyone is, is engaged and empowered and motivated and you're supporting and trusting them. They, I thought it was amusing as we were discussing it that if you could read the same principle and be a hardcore theory X believer, but come to a completely different view of what it means. And uh, if we think of something like the Empire in Star Wars, uh, the, the original Star Wars Episode Four, you could say, "Well, look, that's I'm I'm the Emperor. I'm going to build a project around motivated individuals. We got the people who are real motivated to build the Death Star. I've got." Yeah, Darth. He looks like a really good guy. Yeah, exactly. He's really motivated. <laughs> exactly. We'll we'll go ahead and give him uh, all the support he needs, and I'm going to trust him to get the job done. Then he'll need a lot of drones around him who we won't trust at all. They're going to be shirkers and slackers, and he'll need to go and whip them around and beat them up to to do the work. That's right. So the, the, I think this is why the the theory X theory by distinction is so important, which is uh, you can read these same words and come away with a completely different uh, uh, read the words of the principle and come away with a completely different view of of what you should be building and what kind of environment you should should have. So and that's why I think this is such a difficult principle because it, it your mindset has such a influence on how you look at it. I hadn't even thought of that way of reading this principle, but you're exactly right. If your mindset is theory X, you could completely misread this principle. And for clarity, you and I think that this is a principle that's all about theory Y, but it's hard if you're in theory X world even to conceive of theory Y world. And, and that's and and I think that's that's a real challenge because we're naturally acculturated uh, in theory X way, ways. I, I have the fundamental theory that when, when, when people end up in new situations, when they're unfamiliar from personal experience about what to do, that they fall back to television and movies because those provide the most uh, accessible uh, examples of, of behavior. And if we think about television and movies, it, we, we don't see theory why. It's not, it's not visible. It's not, and the reason is, it, it, it's, it's, you're, you're, you've told me, Squirrel, you think it, well, theory X is much more dramatic. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, so you, you have that person coming out and yelling at people and telling them what to do. 
that's easy. It's easy to to see. It, it's it's uh, very natural to put in your script if you want to have uh, something exciting before you cut to a commercial. Uh, the boss comes out and yells at the staff and stomps off. That would be a very uh, dramatic activity. And you and I were thinking before we got started, we were trying really hard to think of a movie or a play or a drama that had a theory why uh, environment, a corporate environment that was based on theory. Why we had a couple of examples, but they, as we explored them, we really didn't think they were any good. My my closest one isn't a corporate environment. It was uh, the Karate Kid from the 1980s, where Mr. Miyagi has a nurturing and improving uh, approach and encourages uh, some directed opportunism for the Karate Kid, but. That's not a corporation. So uh, if anybody in the audience happens to know a great dramatic interpretation of a theory why corporation, we'd, we'd sure like to hear about it because we couldn't think of one. Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, the, the, who's, who's the, the, the canonical theory why boss in television or movies? I would, that, would be, that would be fantastic. So this, this gives, means that people implicitly tend to have the experience, if they, if, uh, uh, the, the mindset of, of Theory X, of how bosses are supposed to behave, of, of how workers are supposed to behave, uh, being told what to do and doing what they're told. Um, so it can be very, it can be, uh, uh, very difficult to, uh, for people to get past that um, because they're not even aware of the bias that they have. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that, that you and I have different experiences. I've encountered a couple folks who I would say have consciously made a choice to adopt Theory X. And I'm not, I don't think you agree with me about that. You're, you, you think if I got to know them better, I'd find out something different. Is that right? Well, I, I think that tends to be true. That's, that's just my experience. I'm, I'm not going to say it never happens, but it's hard for me to... Um, it's hard for, for me personally. I've not come across someone who's an articulate advocate of Theory X. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've I've people who who will uh, who have said they believe in it, um, but they really don't have a lot to back it up. And um, I think it's I, I, I that's just my own experience. But I think you have a you, you have some very explicit uh, examples of of people um, articulating their, their their Theory X view. Absolutely. Well, I have uh, one example as a client that I really could not help. I, I tried hard, but it's one of my failures. I do fail occasionally with the clients I try to help with uh, improvement of their organizations. And this one, the boss came in uh, on a pretty regular basis and would yell at the developers as they were packing up to leave at a more or less reasonable hour of the evening and say, you're all prima donnas. I pay you a huge amount. He was actually paying market rates, but his view was that was a huge amount. And you should be staying here till 10 o'clock at night to complete software and do things. He was applying the the parking lot test or the pizza box test to determine whether people were engaged and motivated. And you can imagine that this did did not create engagement and motivation in his team. Uh, They did not like being called prima donnas and uh, led to some quite negative outcomes. But when I would inquire with him about his principles, he, he adopted Theory X. That's what he described. These people are lazy bums who are prima donnas and not working hard enough. I need to push them hard in order to get any work out of them at all. And it was really interesting to hear this this description. And I, and I know you, this was a few years ago, and we had the conversation. Well, so, so given all that you've done and all you've learned in, in the years since, how would you handle the situation today? 
well, today I uh, think that I would come to that person. I, I tried struggling for about three months before I, I gave up on trying to help this client. I think I'd do that much more quickly, and I would um, you know, really put it as a, an ultimatum, as a, a difficult conversation with this founder and say, you know, I really don't think this is going to work. I'm certainly not going to be able to help you in the environment that you've described where you adopt Theory X. Here, here's Theory Y. I find good success with Theory Y. I'm willing to help you move toward a, a Theory Y organization. But if you're not going to do that, then I'm not the consultant to help you. So we should stop. And my hope would be that that would create a, a trust forging moment, a, an opportunity for improvement or a, an end to the engagement, which really was not a good use of his money or my time. But I think you have some different experiences. You have some ideas that might be a little more uh, gradual. How, how have those worked out for you? Well, it's, it's interesting. I do, I do think uh, I would approach it slightly differently, and I, I would, I would use uh, what I recently learned about uh, to describe as the leap model, uh, which uh, came from a, a particular therapist who developed it for dealing with psychotic patients. <laughs> and I, I think it's, uh, it's, it's funny that the uh, I'm going to say, look, I'll, I'll, I'm going to treat this person as though they're that they're insane. Um, uh, that they that they uh, that they're sick, but they they don't know that they're sick, uh, and this this model is designed for and dealing with people with with psychosis who are in that situation where they hear voices and they um, see things that aren't there, but but there's not something you can you can interact with directly. You can't you can't tell people well the voices you're you're listening aren't real that because they're real to them, and I think that's how I would treat this boss. He has this view of the world that's real to him. And that would that kind of if, if I'm going to work with him, that would be the starting point. And I and I probably would start there. So I'll, I'll describe the model a bit. We'll we'll have a link in the show notes. Um, but it, it consists of um, listen, empathize, agree, and partner. And so I I would start with saying, you know, what what's the view that he has of the world? What what is he he thinks is going on? And try to be empathetic because the reason whatever he's he's not expressing it. <clears throat> probably very well or, or in a way that's very effective, but he probably has some genuine concerns uh, about what's happening, about the overall effectiveness of what's going on. And I think there's probably reasonable concerns behind his unreasonable actions. So I would look to, to then move to the point of, well, what could we agree on? We, we probably could agree that we want better outcomes. We want, to, we, I would look to build some sort of alignment about what we what we want as a, as the ultimate place that we would be, how things would be effective. And it's, it's probably, I'm going to guess the boss's concerns are, are, are less about, um, having people work late than being effective than being profitable. And if we could, uh, agree on, on, on that, then we could partner about steps to take and, and to test. And those steps would, would, would be a function of, of what we could agree with and, and maybe start making things stepwise. And overall, what I'd be trying to do is take any sort of trust that, uh, I, that he has in me as a consultant or as an experienced person and sort of loan that to say, well, let's, let's try these experience, uh, let's try this experiment. And this overall idea of uh, I'm going to try to um, either loan the trust that is that that people have in me, or I will borrow trust from institutions. I will cite studies from uh, Harvard Business Review, or I will bring in examples of Google and what they have on their uh, PeopleOps website. 
uh, quote books. Uh, Amy Edmondson is a uh, author in her, her work on teaming, and uh, in general, start bringing in these other ideas from outside, saying, "Well, this is what other people say is effective. Can we can we try them? We've agreed what we're trying to to accomplish." Uh, now can we can we partner on trying these different experiments? And I would look to sort of move things over time. Um, that would be the, the approach that I would take. Uh, I know you and I would would handle it differently, but that's uh, it's. I think it's interesting and instructive people to say that they that they they have this these options about how to move forward. Makes sense to me. Uh, one thing that I think we might want to point out in this situation is that we're focusing on this example where there's a boss who needs to change his thinking, or we think that it would be more effective if he moved to a, a theory Y model. And I've described a kind of a sharp shock method of getting there, and you've described a more gradual approach. I think they both could work. But it's not only the boss who might be in that situation. It certainly could also be the developers, the people in the team who are uh, not even trying to get to this outcome because no one's ever trusted them. They've never seen this model. They've only uh, understood the theory X way of approaching things. So you could have the reverse situation where you have a person who's managing a team that is really not ready for theory Y. That is, uh, and you could apply similar techniques in that situation. I especially think the uh, kind of study group model with outside influences could be helpful there. But this this could work both directions. I think that's that's a really good point, and it, it's definitely true that there's a need. I think a lot of times uh, I've I've come across bosses who have been convinced uh, that that have that have tried theory Y, and then come to the idea that well it doesn't work because what they did is they they had been they sort of had trained their team in in theory X, and yeah. then then they said well I'm going to go try this theory Y thing, but of course the the team had been had been trained a certain way when they didn't respond. Uh, when they respond the same way they always had, maybe they, they were looking for directions, saying, "Look, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, I know he's told us to figure it out, but we know that actually, what's going to happen here is he's just going to make the decision in the end." Yep. They 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 they've created this environment, and and they take the evidence that people behave the way they've been trained as proof that they were right all along. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, so that's why people can get trapped in a theory X model where really everybody would like to try something that's more successful. That, that's right. Exactly. So it's it's interesting that you, you also need to uh, have everyone come to view and be educated in theory Y because of course the all the employees have had the same cultural programming that the boss have. They've, they've watched the same movies, they've watched the same television yep. shows and so they, they have the same sort of tropes in mind about what the relationships between boss and workers should be like and uh, how they should view work and, and everything else. Indeed. Well, I think if we're going to try to summarize our message here, it's the old agile phrase, change your organization or change your organization, i.e. change how your organization functions, or maybe that's not the organization for you. And that certainly was the case with the the prima donna boss. For me, that was not the environment where I could be effective. Maybe some of the more uh, gradual approaches you've been suggesting would be would would be something I'd try today. All right, and that's uh, and that's our view on uh, on principle number five: build projects around motivated individuals, give them the environment and support they need, and trust them to get the job done. It either seems obvious or like a fantasy, and our our view is it's uh, it's very achievable. And uh, next time, we're going to move on to principle number six, which is face-to-face -face conversation. And uh, it's uh, ironically, we're, we're doing this remotely. Um, so it'll be an interesting topic about this, uh, this principle, which on the one hand, we may agree with very much in, in principle, but the, the modern practice is, uh, is uh, moving against it. So that should be a, a fun conversation. 
Looking forward to that one, Jeffrey. Thanks. And thank you, Squirrel.